0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I'm reborn. The cherry blossoms are out. Means, yeah, you're
1: reborn, all right. Uh, means, Your eyes are watering. That means, you're sniffing. You're no, sneezing. That's, that's you're beautiful this time of year. I that made me
0: even hotter. You <laughs> yeah. know? Well, but it means the pool's going to open in a couple of weeks, and that's what i
1: You got Yeah, you got all like right. two months. you got some time. But
0: until then, we've got a great show today. Elise mm-hmm. Mousselis is a certified eating psychology and nutrition expert. Uh, and host of the podcast "Once Upon a Food Story," and her mission is to empower women. We'll talk about that. I, I'm a he
1: would like to yeah. he'd like to be she, an honorary she, woman in this empower conversation. Women, I am
0: an honorary woman to create a healthier relationship with food and their bodies, mm-hmm. and she wants to reframe how. How we think Women about Women think about food and their mm-hmm. bodies. So she's here today. We'll talk to her shortly. Mm-hmm. And we have our first ever call in from Greece. It's
1: pretty exciting.
0: Dr. Geraldine Morrison is an anthropologist and archaeologist, and she specializes in Minoan cooking pots and cooking because the Minoans used to cook in pots.
1: So we're going to learn all about it. And David she's... likes
0: pots. <laughs> so uh, she's been working in Crete since 1997, but she's going to check in with us and, and talk about how. What the ancient, how the ancient Minoans ate and lived. Well, I feel like you buried the lead here.
1: She's an archaeologist. She's an anthropologist. She's bringing a lot to the table. I so, didn't ba-
0: Go I ahead. Let's I go to the bury next no one. Lead. Go to the next one. You're All taking right. forever. Let's go. Oh my God! Just stay out of it. Okay. okay. So the Embassy Chef Challenge is coming up again. Uh, it's a, the eleventh year for the challenge. It's the day after tomorrow. It's Tuesday the second mm-hmm. at the Reagan Building. Chef Dries Molken is here. He's the executive chef uh, to the ambassador of Belgium. He's He's a wonder kid. He's very
1: cute. <laughs> oh, I think you're cute. I think
0: you're cute too, trees. You'll have to decide. Uh, with him is Gwenda Moore She's the social secretary of the ambassador. And uh, Chinetti. Uh, oh, I almost. I lost. I got your first name, but I lost your last name. Chinetti Hubbard is here. She's vice president of communications and marketing with Events DC.
1: Yes, love she Events is. DC.
0: So they're they're running the challenge. It's under their auspices. So we're going to hear from everybody today, and uh, cookology. Yay, the Cookology team. But it's is Cookology
1: 2.0. That's what's so exciting about well,
0: it. Well, they've got a new Cookology school in yes, Boston. Yes.
1: Exactly. So,
0: uh, David Hammerly, who's the manager, Jenna Dawson, who's the chef instructor, is here. And Maria Capsidas, who is the founder and mm-hmm. CEO, is here as well. And so's Diane Murphy. What are you doing here? Okay. But, anyways, we're going <laughs> to hear from those guys. And finally, we got the man in here. You want to talk whiskey? You want to talk to Bill Thomas from Jack Rose? He's the um, founder and owner of uh, Jack Rose Dining Saloon uh, down in Adams Morgan. Uh, They've got, what is it, 2,700 whiskey expressions. I love to hear a shot of whiskey called an expression. But this coming uh, Sunday the 7th, not today, but a week from today, Mm -hmm. they're going to host their own whiskey festival. It's the premier drums, a celebration of cask strength. I said it right. Uh, uh, Whiskey's new and rare, so we're going to be talking to Bill shortly,
1: and we're going to be drinking whiskey.
0: Thank God! How to
1: start a Sunday morning? I need a
0: drink. You know, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm married. Give me more to drink. Okay. Uh, and but first, we got uh, Mitch Berliner on the phone. Right. Yes, yes. From Central Farm Markets. Are you there, Mitch? You're yes, not there. I am. You the are morning, there. So Hi,
2: Mitch. Yeah. How are you? I am. All
0: That's, right. So tell us what's I'm happening at the
2: wonderful.
0: You good. had a dreary start okay, to the day, well. but the sun is coming out.
2: Yeah, the sun's coming out. If it's not pouring, we're happy. That's the way it works mm-hmm. here in farm market land. So, um, here at Central Farm Market, uh, for those of you who haven't heard, it's all over social media, on the list, and all that stuff. You heard it first, of Foodie and the Beast, but Mosaic Market is moving to a better, more central location with more farmers and artisan food producers than ever before. Mm-hmm.
1: So How many? Like, what are we talking about? How many? We're
2: going to have. 40, 45-plus in the new market. We actually had the shoe ornament. We didn't expect such a wonderful um, pour-out of people from Baltimore. We've got new people coming in. We are going to be on the parking lot, the front parking lot of the George C. Marshall High School,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it's right on Route 7, Leesburg Pike, right at the Beltway. So it's very centrally located. To McLean, Falls Church, Don Loring. So Vienna, what? And so you're Fairfax. launching
1: next. So next week is the first time for it, right? What are the times?
2: Yes. Okay, thank you. So it's April seventh. It's Sunday year round at eight thirty to one.
3: Okay, so great. So we'll
2: be open four and a half hours, and we've got some new people. Some of them you may have heard of. Uh, Atwater's Bakery, probably Baltimore finest bakery real handcrafted no bread, atwater's pies, is cookies, amazing muffins. their stuff is terrific right so it's really one of their first times uh in this area uh, we have another new one one of your favorites boys and girls over there um young harvest our specialist in um all that fantastic um 20 different types of salad greens herbs Etc. I know you love. Not down no, with no, any, their salads the are amazing. Young in it, I like so. Okay. Uh,
1: no, okay. No, their salads um, are we,
2: terrific. And then we also have a uh, Metro Mike, Mike, Michael Green's. This will be her first time in Northern Virginia. So it's really exciting. And, um, so, and uh, then of course, our, your favorites, we have toy go, we have angelic beef, which uh, makes uh, which uh, grows a special breed. It's an Italian breed called Piemonte. Uh,
0: Mitch, I hate and, to do uh, this to you. That's wonderful. We, we got we to gotta cut you off, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've got too many vendors. I know. No it's problem. very exciting. Well, Your cup runneth you over.
2: So just, please, right, so just please go to com to find out more, and uh, we'll talk to you from the opening next week. Excellent. Congratulations.
0: We can't wait. All Congrats, right,
1: Mitch. Thanks. All right. So Bill Thanks. Thomas.
0: Let's talk to you for a minute. Now, Jack Rose is a legend already, but when you first said to your family, I'm going to go into whiskey. Whiskey's my thing. What was the response?
4: Uh, it was actually pretty positive because they thought it would be a good way to make money. So, huh? uh, <laughs> But my, my family opened up their first bar here in 1885. Oh, right. really? There's a yeah. little bit of history there. There's a little bit of history. Yeah, that part us. I didn't know. Which bar? Which, it was downtown? called uh, Harrigan's Harmony Hall at the Wharf. And wow. then we had what is now- Which t- was
1: not like- the no, pretty sexy war. It was a funky war, right? Then.
4: No, it was not. A right, pretty... it didn't look
1: like today. No,
4: not at all, not right. at all. And then they had uh, where Tunny Cliffs is now in Capitol Hill. Oh wow! Uh, we had that during Prohibition, before Prohibition. So it's up a until family like thing. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you've done them proud.
1: But what made you decide to go to Adams Morgan? I live there. Okay, you're and like you I want to walk to work.
4: It, it is. Crazy. I walk in my street. I see the building.
1: Right, that's so it's amazing. Yeah, and so. it is a beautiful building you did a lot there but there's a lot going on at the at jack rose there's like layers yeah, to I mean, your we building
4: we tried to think of every good idea that we wanted with whiskey mm-hmm. and put it under one kind of umbrella mm-hmm. uh, obviously we wanted uh comfortable places for you to taste whiskey we wanted to be able to house the collection for you to be able to see the collection more importantly because we consider it art mm-hmm. so having those labels where you can see them obviously we have our whiskey bible which is our list which you can like, peruse before right. you make a selection, which could take quite a bit of time. Yeah, sure. But
0: you really looked over the horizon to see what was coming. Because when you got started and it was a whiskey focus, it was really when the whiskey thing, you know, for millennials in particular, was
4: just starting to come into focus. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we, we opened up our first bourbon bar back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started stockpiling whiskey. And, I mean, our warehouse has over 8,000 bottles in it.
1: Stockpiling. It, it sounds you like know? you're hoarding it.
4: But, but, we, yeah, we, but we were only stockpiling those things that we thought people would— we wanted to recommend mm-hmm. so we just stockpiled stuff simply because we wanted to have it and share it uh and then the whiskey boom started so obviously it's been good for us because all right well had let's access.
1: let's talk about what you poured for us
4: sure uh the first one is uh, glenfiddich which will be at our event on sunday mm-hmm. uh it's uh, a single malt which is finished in uh, ipa casks so you mm-hmm. have kind of the single malt also with uh, the beer component
1: it's delicious yeah. in right, scotland
4: great. yes Scotland, correct? A space-side yes, region? We'll Who's talk- going to Scotland? We're so. going to we Scotland. We are. Okay. Are you really? <laughs> we yeah are. We'll We're talk so about lucky. that off
1: air.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Let's bring on our first guest.
0: <clears throat> okay. So, Elise, have a drink. And then <clears throat> uh, I want to know, Elise Mousselis is a certified eating psychology and nutrition expert. So, tell us what that is, really.
5: Okay. But first, I want to say that I do work with some very enlightened men, so I'm okay, going to put so you in that you category. Oh, that, <laughs> okay.
0: would, that would exclude me then, right away. Right, okay, right.
1: Let's not use the word enlightened and David in the same sentence. okay Who turned on <laughs> the enlightened.
0: Okay,
5: some men. So, I am I, well, when I started, I it was always about the food, you know, mm-hmm. and telling people what to eat, or not telling like working with people on what they were eating. And I quickly realized working with so many sophisticated and people in the know, we have so much information coming at us about what to eat that it wasn't that we weren't getting we weren't getting very far. And I um, was like, I don't get it. These people are so accomplished, mostly women, you -hmm. know, in their lives. But there's something with the food that that we need to dig deeper.
0: With the it was it behavior modification that was needed? It, in
5: mindset. I think it's mostly, it. it they're all tied it, together. So I like to say I help people with what's on their plate and what's in their mind. But
1: how did you get there? Like how did you become a, a psychologist that decided to focus on eating and food cuz i think when most people think of food and psychology they think of
5: eating disorders. Right. Okay, so that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. So I am full of really good questions.
1: <laughs> you I've been doing you
5: are. this for a really She's long full time. Of a lot. Okay. <laughs> and so, more than questions. so the the answer to that and i'm am cer- certified in eating psychology. I'm not a psychologist, so i just oh, want sorry. to clarify that, sure. but it came from my own passion with mm-hmm. nutrition and my own troubled relationship with food, which mm-hmm. you knew it was going there. Sure. Right. So i um I got certified in eating psychology because I was eating all the kale and the quinoa and drinking all the green smoothies, but I was still really just on the outside, looked, you know, happy and like everything all together, but on the inside, I was not happy and I mm-hmm. was making myself miserable. And I realized that I needed to help other people. So it's not a disor- an eating disorder, but it's where so many people in our culture um, are, where they have a disordered, not completely peaceful relationship well, with Well, people food. stress
0: about I mean when right. you even if you're doing it right there's a tremendous amount of stress too I much mean,
5: information or, confusing or is
0: this you know should I should I take a bite of these wasted calories and all of that so right. how do you help people deal with that
5: how do how I help people connect to their body and to stop outsourcing their guidance and thinking that all the answers are with the experts and with on social media with their favorite influencer but really to come back we were born with all those instincts you know as babies, we knew when to eat and when to stop. And so mm-hmm. I have helped people connect back to themselves. And that's like, you know, catching – like even sitting down before a meal and taking three deep breaths, as simple as it sounds, it can be completely life-changing. If you're stressed and having those thoughts you just brought up, and then you just take a deep breath and reconnect back to your body, you know – you can feel whether a food is good for you or, or you know, it makes all the difference. Well,
1: but I think one of the other things about food – That's really different for, you know, children and adults and et cetera, is that, you know, it's a social thing. We go out to dinner, we go out to lunch, even at school, we eat in the cafeteria. Like there's all these opportunities to eat that don't have to do with our health that's um, true. and I only have we have to take a commercial break but when we come back I like to talk about how you integrate that into people's okay. lives because I think that's a really tough one yeah um, this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast how are you eating we'll talk about that more when we get back
0: all right we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis we're talking to Elise Musellis, who is a uh, certified eating psychology and nutrition expert
1: and when we uh, before we went to commercial break we talked about the complications of social eating That if you're trying to, you know, be healthy and eat healthy, it's really hard because eating out has become a way that we all get together. It's a form of entertainment.
5: Right. But I also, I think that we've evolved so much and that eating out and being healthy aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. There's all these, like, healthy, fast, casual places. You know, there's, you know, the restaurants farm to table. And so I I actually don't think that it's – you you have to. I think this is a lifestyle. So you want to be able to take it with you wherever you go when you travel, when you're out with friends, when you're you know celebrating a birthday party. And the other thing is, you don't have to be perfect all the time to be healthy. You know, you can make a choice. I'm going out to dinner. I'm going to eat something that you know may not be what I would cook at home and call clean, mm-hmm. but you can still feel good about it because you can get up the next day and start over again. So. That's
0: what I've been doing. I know every, uh, every, every day. So, <laughs> so, every day. But here's the question. Now, we were talking we were talking during the break. I I, I come from a, a family that's genetically fat. Everybody in the family is way fatter than I am. And my dad was huge. When that's sort of built into your molecules can you like, ever really successfully? My dad wasn't diet huge keep...
1: until he was older, much older. No, no,
0: no. My dad was always huge, and okay. you saw him; he was old and sick, so he yeah. lost some weight. Hey, <laughs> on the way to the end. But the point is, before the end comes, can you lose it and keep it off if you're sort of engineered to be chubby?
5: I think you're you're definitely born, you know, into a food story, and you might have habits that are keeping you like in the same place as the people, you know, your parents. You're talking about your dad, but. You, at any point in time, you can change your story. And I asked you this, and I want you to say it on the air. Have you ever, like, lost weight, changed your eating habits, and really felt good about yourself and what you were doing? hmm And so, what I would bet that the difference now is in your priorities. So if you prioritize it, it-
0: it's, it's, it, well, with me, it's like, I go two weeks and I do a good job and then I go, well, I can eat that cookie, you know, Slippery what the hell, slope. it's one cookie. Right. Well, and also
1: then- we're in the food world. So, right. you know, I mean, today is not normal on our show. Like there's a couple of things here, but there are some shows where it's like pastries and drink. like it's, yeah. you know, so you, ha- I mean, you have to have willpower. And I think that, that that's probably part of the conversation
5: right part of asking it was subtly like, well, done well yeah. <laughs> will one bite keep me satisfied or do my job I Aren't you, try, just, it, right? dum, dum, you know right? i can try a bite put the fork down and and then move on mm-hmm. too and it, it's not really necessarily willpower it's but also asking yourself how am i going to feel afterwards and then deciding is that feeling afterwards you know how do i create that and that's putting the fork well, down. And- I well, I mean, these are all good, good things to
0: ponder. Mm-hmm. I've got to make it part of my life. But in the meantime, tell everybody how to find you and your podcast and all Absolutely. of that. Absolutely.
5: Okay, well, my podcast is Once Upon a Food Story, and we talk about all these kind of stories, men too. Mm-hmm. And um, social media is at kale and chocolate on instagram i post a lot of recipes and food photos too mm-hmm. and then my website is my name elise excellent thanks so much for having thank me
0: thank you for no, joining us this Good.
1: morning
5: thank you so and much Bill,
0: speaking of fattening the whiskey was delicious no whiskey's Getting not fattening whiskey's kind of i well just run
4: that's it,
3: just <laughs> <gotta> <laughs> run it <off. laughs>
0: no. all right so let's talk a little bit about your event premier drams give us a 411 on that
4: uh so we started it last year obviously uh Continuing with the second annual this year, Premier Jams was designed mm. for actual whiskey drinkers who really wanted to try the best. Mm. And a lot of times, you go to these whiskey festivals, and it's basically a baseline tasting of
1: oh, and they're they're just the drunk fests, you know. Yes. And there's just like there's no lessons there, there's no education there. People are just like drinking,
4: absolutely, and they're right. Very, and I mean, and I'm not like,
1: no judgment in that comment, but like you know, if you want. To learn about the whiskey and understand what you're drinking, because it's a very complex
6: spirit.
4: Absolutely. And what we kind of designed was something where the best representations from the vendors that are there. Mm-hmm. It's everything that a real whiskey drinker would want to drink. So when you go to Whiskey Fest, there's sometimes bottles hidden under the tables for like the what they would VIPs or series. For people like me. Right. But <laughs> now everyone, we, we kind of want to create a festival where everyone's a VIP, everything's mm-hmm. accessible. It's the best representation from the actual distilleries. Uh, and it just makes – we also limit the amount of people so you have more time to speak to the vendors.
1: Okay. Well, when we come back to you, we'll talk more about what that experience will be like. Sure. Why don't you tell us quickly what we have now because uh, You have Wilderness delicious. Trail,
4: which is the next big thing in American whiskey. What is it? Wilderness Trail Distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They're up to 225 barrels a day now. Makes them the 11th biggest producer of quality spirits. So they're going to be the next – I mean they're going to be spoken with, with like Mark And when you think of Jim Beam, these are the guys that if you're out there – and you want to get in early, go this visit them, meet them. They're amazing.
1: Excellent. All right. We'll talk more when we, we gotta get back to we got to get in the whiskey
4: you. business. <laughs> All right. Dr. Morrison, are you
0: on the phone? I am. Here I am. Well, this is our first ever phone-in from Greece, I it's have very, to say. We're very
1: excited. Uh, Dr. Geraldine Morrison
0: <laughs> is with us. She's an anthropologist and archaeologist, mm-hmm. and she specializes in Minoan cooking pots, cooking culture, really. And uh, that's mm-hmm. a really fascinating—how did you end up focusing on that?
7: Well, I came. Actually, I came to Crete about 20 years ago as a very young potter, and I was working with archaeologists who are friends of mine. And you know, as you do, you eventually become interested in your own topics. And um, I love hands-on learning and hands-on education. And so I decided to kind of put my pottery skills to test here on the island of Crete, and started dealing with the local clays and the local potters and. Wanting to kind of make the uh, Minoan cooking pots. And then, of course, if you have a Minoan cooking pot, like, what are you going to do with it? You know, you're going to try to cook some Minoan food. And so, you know, one thing kind of led to another. And that's kind of how I ended up with a PhD in archaeology.
0: So, nice work. So, right. <laughs> yeah. so, nice work if you can get Yeah. It, it, so, it
7: was many years. It took many years. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is
1: it about Minoan cooking that is relevant today? Because it's really fascinating.
7: Sure. I think that's a really good question. Um, One of the things that I really like about it and that we see in the archaeological food list um, is that we see a lot of seasonality, which is very current today. Um, We also see, you know, like the Minoan people at that time, they were eating various types of food. They They had meat, they had fish, they had different types of spices. Um, presumably, um, let's say, wild hortas or wild greens and mushrooms, things that don't really stay in the archaeological record but we have evidence for in the environmental Mm -hmm. record. And then also what's really fun is they deal a lot with issues of food and trade. So I think, like, when you deal with, like, you know, seasonal eating, farm-to-table, different types of agricultural practices, um, everything they did was, you know, either slow cooking process or kind of had to deal with some sort of food preservation. So you see, like really, kind of similarities in today's kind of food topics and interest with what they were doing in the past, and I love that continuity. Well, I think it's really superb.
0: You would think that, considering you know that Crete's an island, that it would have been a largely seafood-driven food culture. But so the question is, because this is this is you know 2600 to 1400 years you know BC. So where were the <laughs> where was the beef? And you know, I mean, was it lamb and pork and beef? Was it just beef? I mean, where was that all coming from? And, you know, it's sort of hard to imagine them loading ships of, you know, with animals and everything and hiking them over from the mainland.
7: (laughs) Right. Well, I think um, the one thing about Crete, if you haven't been, or if you don't know much about the island, um, there's three or four large mountain massifs. And so the topography is quite, um, let's say dramatic. So you have a lot of areas for different types of foods, to come from and people living there so even like some of the old people even today um, like you know maybe if they lived in the mountains they never went to the sea so um, you have that kind of um, let's say situation lifestyle situation on the island so not everything is coastal but most people do assume including myself that it was seafood based but in fact they ate an awful lot of like sheep and goats and then also pork And um, I think it's kind of like when you're dealing with animal husbandry. It's like once you bring a group of, let's say, animals to the island and then you start, you know, I guess breeding them. I don't deal with animals, but, you know, Mm -hmm. like breeding them or, you know, managing them in that way for food or for for milk or for wool. Then it just one thing leads to another and they stay. Um, So, yeah, so they had probably they didn't have so much beef. We had some beef bones and the archaeological record, but those could have also been more uh, for Beast of Burden to help with farming or to help with moving. And
2: so, can you tell us a little bit you know, sh-
7: yeah.
1: about the pot cooking, like these these pots that they used? I mean, how was it, how were they utilized?
7: Sure. Um, so one of the kind of the iconic cooking pot is the big belly pot with the three legs. Mm-hmm. And that's like your ultimate slow cooker pot, let's say. So typically in the experiments that I've been able to do with the cooking in the pots is that it looked like they were using hot coals or some sort of indirect heat like underneath, you know, where they would have placed it between the legs and then kind of around it.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, if you cook outside, which a lot of people do, and we have evidence for that, um, then it would have taken a little bit more heat. Um, but you, And if you cook inside, it's a little bit less. But you basically do slow cooking. You could do a little bit of frying, um, You know, so like stews, a lot of stews. Right. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah. And then we have also, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go finish it. Go ahead. We have two other kind of pots. We have these big trays. They look like trays, so they could have been like frying or drying different types of foods. Mm -hmm. And then these big kind of deep shallow trays, which also could have been used for baking or or frying, something like that. So we have different evidence for different types of techniques. Now, you have a new book out. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Um well I'm actually working on a book right now. Okay. So it's not out yet, mm-hmm. but I hope that it will be. I work on a lot of different types of publications. Um so so those are those are around, but but um the cookbook that I'm working on isn't isn't quite ready yet.
1: Okay. And but is it going to be specific to this?
7: Yes, it will. So it'll be on Minoan food culture. It'll be kind. We do a lot of culinary experiences here in Crete. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically if you were to come to our culinary experience here on the island, what would you expect? Um how can you make the different types of foods and condiments? And then all about how that's kind of encapsulated into like the cultural history and the history like of the island. It does sound like so, fun. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun.
0: All right. Well, the, um, again, you know what? When the book comes out, we want to have you back on and talk about it. Uh,
7: oh, I would love to come back. Thank you.
0: D- do you ever come to the states? Are you? Are you always? I in do. Cre- I,
7: I, no, I come seasonally. I come in the fall and the winter mainly. So anywhere between. November and April, I'm typically in the States. But right now, I decided to come back to Crete a little bit early and get ready for the season.
0: All so right. Well, when you come back, I'm sure the, right the book will be done and out. Let us know because we'd love to have you on.
1: Can you please Thank tell us how um, um, people... Thank you very much. I would love to do that. Uh, uh, Gerilyn, tell everybody how they can find you.
7: Yes. Uh, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook by Minoan Chase. And it's M-I-N-O-A-N-T-A-S-T-E-S. And then you can, I have a website that's MinoanTaste.com mm-hmm. that lists um, a little bit more information. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Gerilyn Morrison if, if you're interested.
0: We Excellent. Are.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for joining us this morning. I've... Okay, we're going to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be right back.
0: All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. The Embassy Chef Challenge is in, coming up in its 11th year.
6: Yes, it That's is. It's a lot
0: of chefs and challenges. So, uh, Chignetti Hubbard is with us from uh, Events DC, and we've got two folks, uh, Gwenda uh, de Moore, who is the social secretary to the ambassador of Belgium, mm. mm-hmm. and Chef Dries, who is the all-star chef, executive chef at the Belgian embassy. Chignetti, tell us first. Tell us about the event overall. Well, and
1: also how it came together, because it's really, an, it's so... It's so D.C. to do. Do you know what I mean? But it is very interesting and different.
6: Absolutely. It is definitely a can't miss social event of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are in its 11th year. It started um, back in 2008 under cultural tourism and then events D.C., the official convention and sports authority of the District of Columbia Mm -hmm. took it over. It has grown every year, really celebrates cultural diplomacy through food and music and culture and fashion. Mm -hmm. And we will have nearly 20 embassies representing countries from all over the world, Africa, Asia, Caribbean, Europe, Latin America, North America, from everyone will get about 30 different authentic dishes. Mm -hmm. And guests are really... Encouraged to leave their checkbooks and their credit cards at home and experience this wonderful uh, culinary. Well, it is, where
1: is it at this year? Is this it year a...
6: it's at Ronald Reagan Building. Okay,
1: so it's at the Ronald Reagan Building, and I am seated last year. So yes, you and did. I judged it and you as judged well. It. Yes. Uh, yes, and I mean it is. Um,
6: I stay at home.
1: Right, because nobody wants you there. Um, <laughs> you missed out. Right, you it's, it's a really awesome, awesome event, and it's it's so big. It's, it's hard huge. to believe. Um, how seriously all the chefs take the challenge, you know. Um, there, it's because some events in DC—I mean, not events DC, right. but some events <laughs> in DC—you know, not everybody comes to the table really looking to bring it. And I just think it's really different. And all the embassy chefs—it's sort of a, a chance for the embassy chefs to sort of partake in uh, in the public of DC because you guys are all sort of hidden away in your
6: embassies. Oh, we know how (laughs) to find you. (laughs) And the great thing about it, because we have about 1,500 attendees, the Mm -hmm. attendees get to actually judge and vote on the people's choice uh, dish, too. So we encourage uh, the attendees to also participate in the judging
8: as well.
1: So, Chef, is this your first year?
8: No, it's my second year.
1: It's your second year. So what did you think about it last year?
8: Well, I think it was very interesting because um, you can see how older people do it, and as you said before, we are a little hidden away. Like not everybody can get to us, mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting to see how different countries do it a different way, and and just to meet other people. And, is there and, well, is there
0: kind of a, a a feeling of camaraderie? Do all the chefs get together otherwise, or is this the only time where you really see everybody? I
8: have a group with some chefs where we go together and we discuss recipes and and how we work and whatever, and we help we help each other out with stuff and we cook for each other, and that way we uh, we keep in touch and we. We try to find out how they cook and how they do it and how they organize their events and all that stuff. So.
1: Well, for people who aren't aware of the um, sort of awesome job that you have because of the because of what where you are and what you do, can you sort of give us a little background of what it takes to be the executive chef at an embassy?
8: So before I started the job, I didn't really know it existed. So uh, <laughs> I was kind of surprised. I I cook for the ambassador and um, and his guests. Mm-hmm. So we do. Um, I cook daily, and I cook um, all these events. We do receptions. We do big celebrations for national days. We have an EU open house for about 4,000 people in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, do so are Brits you cooking for do that now? The, wait a minute. <laughs> do the Brits get to come <laughs> or not? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So yeah, it's it's very for me it's very interesting because I can do different things and it's every day something else. Sometimes I serve two people, sometimes three hundred and fifty. Well let me ask
0: you, because Gwenda's the social secretary for the ambassador. So do you call him up and say in five minutes you gotta have something awesome on the table because
9: of course every day. Every day. (laughs) Just last minute.
1: And Gwenda, you brought in some delirium. Tell us
9: about it. Yes. This will go good with the whiskey. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Chef Dries is going to feature Delirium with his food mm-hmm. um, at the Embassy Chef Challenge. And mm-hmm. Delirium is actually a beer that is brewed by brewery Herger and that's a brewery in Belgium that has been in existence Since 1654. Thank God
0: you were here to finally pronounce it right. We
1: did have them on the show our very first year, 10 years ago. I could not pronounce it if I liked it. We spent 20
0: minutes trying to pronounce it. (laughs)
9: Exactly. (laughs) So we have two different kinds for you today. We have uh, the Delirium Nocturnum and then Mm -hmm. the Delirium Red. Okay. What is the Delirium Red? That sounds new. Is that new? It is. Okay. It's a newer one. Mm -hmm. And what's their trademark is, well, can you guess? Uh, No, we're on the radio, but what is Delirium's trademark? It's the little oh, the elephant, pink elephant, right? Yes. Okay. If you get
8: too many, you might see some glass. Well,
1: I mean, <laughs> you know. but what's, I can't remember. With delirium, it's very high alcohol, right? Yeah. That's why it's called delirium because it can yes. knock you out, right? <laughs> <laughs> so nobody drank too much of it until like after the show. <laughs> okay.
0: and well, I also want to point out, and I want to explain to our our listeners what happened. The chef brought his balls in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what these are. These are, these are, chocolate, <laughs> are chocolate balls, am
8: I right? There, there are three different kinds Um Can you move your mousse. hands so she can get the video, please? Um, Thank you. So it's it's three kinds of uh, of different chocolate mousse. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, done as balls, right? <laughs> exactly. it, it's the Belgian yeah. flag. It is, yeah,
0: exactly. So, say goodbye. <laughs>
1: Where's Elise? Mm. <laughs> Where's Elise when I need her? Okay.
8: <laughs> I come of a fat family. Okay. So is this what you're making? Yeah, that's what I'm making. So I'll give I'll serve the people the Belgian flag in chocolate. So I, I figured that was pretty. Uh, and will you be Belgian. pouring the
1: beers as well? Yeah. We'll okay. Be and are you guys gonna be? Because decorating the table is also a part of it, right? Are you guys uh, gonna be? We're gonna
8: work around the the our comic strips. Um, we're famous for Tintin and the Smurfs. Mm-hmm. This year, uh, oh, that's right. Tintin is turning 90, so we'll have some of um... Boy Tintin. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday,
0: Tintin.
1: And what do you think, people? Like, what is last year you guys had the um, grandson of Nelson Mandela there? Yes. So, is there any sort of surprises this year that we oh, need there, to know about? A
6: couple surprises. You'll have to come check it okay. out to find oh, out. On, and tickets all on all. EmbassyChefChallenge.com. Okay. <laughs> all right,
0: say that once more EmbassyChefChallenge. Embassy <laughs> dot com. Chef Challenge How much dot com? are chickens?
6: Tickets are very reasonably priced, 95 for GA tickets mm-hmm. and uh, 160 for VIP and 175 for the Stella Artois uh, VIP package.
1: And what does that entail?
6: And that gives you the same perks as the VIP package plus um, the limited edition of the Stella Artois. And a mm-hmm. portion of those prote- proceeds from that package will be donated to water.org.
1: Oh, great. okay, great. That's an amazing organization. So, chef, I'm just curious: is this a great time for you when you're there to sort of meet other chefs? Um, like, do you get to socialize with some of the chefs there, try their food, get to talk with them, find out where they're getting their ingredients from, and steal
0: their ideas? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that mostly.
8: Right? Yeah, it's a. Boy. So, uh, no, yeah, I try to um, to mm. find out what other other countries are making, and and I try to talk to them a little. And in in future, it would be great to to. Um, to hang out with these people and, and see what we can do together and, and how we can work together.
1: What yeah. is the biggest event that you've done at the um, embas- at your embassy?
8: Well, so we have our national day once a year. It's three hundred and fifty people. Okay. So as all Belgian people who live around DC are coming over to the ambassador's residence to celebrate, just
0: to make a lot of scrambled eggs. <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> well, what is the is there a national dish of Belgium?
8: Well, we we um, we eat a lot of fries. Well, I was gonna, so, I know I was going to say that, <laughs> but I didn't want to insult you. Right? We're, we're, we're not. Uh, you double fry
1: them, with, right? Yeah. You exactly. double, fry we them. double
0: fry them. Yeah. But with mayonnaise, right? Well, mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. how also I like
8: with, them. Yeah, exactly. So, and and we, I think our cuisine is is um came um, came up through um, basic food like home cooked meals. We're very much on fresh food at home. My mom always had a fresh cooked meal at the table, um, mm-hmm. and and out of that, I think we made a a very um, unique cuisine. It's a little. Um, it's close to French cuisine, mm-hmm. but we have our own twist, so it's a little more interesting for me. Okay.
0: All right. Let's do it once more to to get tickets
6: because this is going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be great. Embassychefchallenge.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Right. And then
1: Gwenta, let me just ask you one question: If people want to come to the embassy. Is there a way to get a tour or come in or see the embassy or participate in events if you're not originally from Belgium?
9: There is a unique opportunity coming up in May. Mm -hmm. uh, That is on uh, May 12th. We have uh, EU Open House. Okay. Okay. And it's being advertised all over the Washington, D.C. area. So you Mm -hmm. can visit. One of the embassies will be the Embassy of Belgium. Mm -hmm. And every year we receive 4,000-some people. You will have an opportunity to have some Belgian fries. Excellent. And taste some Belgian beer Uh and have a good time and uh, learn about our culture. Okay, Okay. so mark your calendar. Yes, it's part of Passport,
6: D.C.'s program hosted by Cultural Tourism.
0: All right, thanks, Bill, step back up to the mic. Let's go back to whiskey. So this event will be a learning event, but what about, do you
4: have classes? I mean, We can... don't have any classes. We just, like I <coughs> said, we, we limited the amount of people so you can have a lot more one-on-one time or group time with the people that are representing uh, the different uh, whiskey options that we have there from, you know, obviously international whiskeys to, you know, American bourbons and rye as well as single malts from Scotland. Um, so we wanted it to be uh, a little more casual and not that frenzy that I, I'm i going to miss something if I don't hurry up and get to a specific booth. Does Jack Rose do classes otherwise, or do you just come in? We, and do, you... we do tastings and uh, specialized flights. Um, so we do that fairly regularly. We have some, uh, like, one-on-one classes. We have some more high-end kind of stuff. But uh, at this particular one, you're really expecting the super whiskey drinker to walk in the door that has really – High-level, complex questions. Yeah, right. So when they hit, when they do, when they do go to a particular table and they run into, say, the master silvers from Wilderness Trail, who are PhDs and like biochemistry and uh, organic chemistry and stuff, they really get into nuance and they have the time to do so because we limit it, uh, the amount of people that are in there. So there's not necessarily the need for a specific class. All, all right.
1: right, okay, so we're going to come back to you, and at the end, what I'd really love to do is talk more about sort of Jack Rose and its growth over the years, because there's so much going on there. You have, like, the tasting room downstairs. Well, they've got, they've
0: got yeah, they've got That's good food. That's changing. Good, good yeah. food. Yes. I checked out the menu. It's...
1: Well, you haven't eaten there?
4: I've, a long time ago. Okay. Probably two years, three years right. ago, but the menu looks new.
1: Anyway, all right, yeah. what yeah. are you pouring next?
4: Uh, right now, what we're pouring is a uh, an independent bottler, Black Adder, uh, and the whiskey that they Purchase was Amrut from India, from Bangalore, uh, yeah. and it is a single malt Indian whiskey finished in sherry casks. So you get this great cerealness, you get this great um, little bit of honey, but then you have this sweetness that really kicks in from the sherry. Uh, this is a really amazing balanced whiskey, but to me, it's so drinkable. It's like a crusher; you just can't help but drink. It's really over beautiful. And over. It okay. really is, and we're talking about an Indian single malt. Uh, it's amazing.
1: I have so many questions there. So, I mean. Is India known for their whiskeys?
4: They're getting there. There's okay. there's two or three there, and they're g- gaining popularity. Obviously, the whiskey drinker now, and I think the drinker in general, is drinking to their mood. And they know. I mean, the yeah.
0: Japanese do great whiskeys. So, Absolutely. You know.
1: Okay, so wait. India whiskey, with an E, without an E.
4: Uh, or is that yeah. only Scotland? Well, Scotland, Scotland is without. Right. The United States and Ireland are, are generally with, mm-hmm. and then it's a hit or miss game. It's a all hit or over. miss anywhere. Else. Although there's exceptions to every rule. Right. Maker's Mark is without, and they're one of the most popular brands in America. So there's no hard and fast rule. Uh, and if you read all of the legislation, federal code, yeah. it's all without any in America. So that's crazy as well. So. Okay.
1: All right.
4: Yeah. All right. So let's talk cookology. Yay, so right. Maria Cupsidis
0: founded uh, Cookology in 2009, am I right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And, uh, Didn't you
1: take the kids out there? David yes, took the kids out did. there year, when they were, they were young little. years ago. Yeah. Oh, my I, God. I, I remember. Did, I, I
0: might have had hair then, I think. I mm. still have but hair. But she's in with Jenna Dawson, who's her chef instructor, and David mm-hmm. uh, Hammerly, who's the general manager. Is that the way of putting it? All right. Um, and the big news is, You've got a new location in Boston, yep. So you're not out in Dulles. So those of us— So we the- are
7: actually still no, in Dulles. No, still no, no, but I mean
0: you're not just out in yeah, Dulles. Exactly, so yeah. Cookology is within reach of the Beltway now.
10: I know. Thank God.
0: Yeah.
1: Took so let's
10: talk about—but this new
1: thing is huge. So yes. let's talk about what you're doing.
10: So it's 6,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's broken up into six kitchens by sliding doors. Or you can open up the entire space and have 250 to 300 people in it. Wow. We have um, room for rental kitchens— um, we have mostly uh, we teach mostly kids and adults as you know it's recreational mm-hmm. still we're hoping to do a professional program if Virginia will ever give us the certification to to have the professional program we well, know given that,
1: that we a- lost Academy to Cuisine right. there is and no and Art Institute right I mean there's very few professional programs yes Virginia where- <laughs> there is a cook
0: which-
10: <laughs> yeah. we, we are, are here city. so and right. it's 12 weeks, $12,500 for the class. It's totally accessible. It's affordable. Mm-hmm. It's short timing, and it's flexible. You can jump in and out. But again, we're like waiting to get that going.
1: Okay, well, we're going to take a quick
10: break. When we come back, we want to hear from your whole team okay. and talk about- Oh, no, that's of, it. You're out. No, okay, no, talk about all the experiences <laughs> all the that you
1: can have drinking. at Topology. Right. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We're going to get cooking. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David Nicki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors. God bless them. They keep the show going. ProFish, best sustainable seafood in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meat Crafters, Central well, Farm Well, don't Market.
1: forget the smoked seafood at Ivy City, which is amazing.
0: Let's not forget the smoked seafood at Ivy City. Mm-hmm. And let's get back to Cookology. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, right now, you don't have a professional program. We kind of left that at the end. Yeah. But, but uh, a couple of the... You know, sort of the the.
1: Well, let's talk about the programming and Ballston.
10: Sure. So um, we do a lot of um, boot camps for mm-hmm. people who don't know how to cook at all. It's called our basic boot camp, and mm-hmm. it's five weeks. You get knife skills, soup, stocks, sauces, dry heat cooking, moisty cooking, and desserts, and that's okay.
3: five weeks. No outside. Minoan
0: pots, though. Uh-huh.
10: I mean, I would. I can't wait to hear that whole. <laughs> that whole but, and then we do a 2.0, which we really focus on proteins, alternative proteins, desserts, and mm-hmm. that's a six-week program. So you can come and take those if you're not really clear on how to cook mm-hmm. and you want to get better at it. You can also do two-hour, 90-minute to two-hour classes based on a whole host of things. You base it on menu um, and not necessarily whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Mm-hmm. So if you're a beginner – um, you just pick it. So if you want to learn how to make uh, beef wellington, you think you're never going to be able to make it, just come to the class. The teacher goes through it. It's all hands-on. So are these, menu...
1: okay. are these menu-based classes? Is that how that's working? Yes. Like you have classes, you're like, here's a dinner Three party things. for six. Yes, Bang. exactly.
0: Okay. So who comes up with all the twists and turns on a the, on the theme? Jenna? Do it you, just it...
10: depends, really. I mean, we like to all sit down maybe like once a month and just like a crazy brainstorming session and really just make all new things. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of core classes, like the Beef Wellington, sushi, pasta. Everyone loves pizza classes. All the kids' stuff, we really try to keep it really, really fun.
1: So with the kids' classes, are those classes that are after school mm-hmm. or during breaks? Like, how, how are they put together?
10: So after school is a little tough because moms usually have their everything scheduled out. It's mm-hmm. really hard to get an after school program going, um, but we do weekends, we do family classes, so you can come in with your kids, mm-hmm. uh, we do cupcake wars and things like that, but um, usually during breaks full time, you can come 9 to 12 or 1 to 4 or the entire day, mm-hmm. um, and there's just a time ton- mean, we basically teach these, we basically treat these kids like adults, mm-hmm. we just slow down the adult menu, mm-hmm. um, and we just like make it into bite sizable chunks that they can understand, and then they can make it, so they're walking out with these ingredients and these food their parents are like i don't even know how
0: to make that right so as david as general manager you're the Mm -hmm. business side but do you have a food background
4: uh actually i have a bar background so Mm -hmm. that's something that we're hoping (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's something that we're actually hoping to expand a bar
1: background (laughs) well yeah
0: because cocktails and whiskey and all that stuff is so
4: we'd like to actually expand and maybe start to do a little bit with mixology classes um maybe even tastings i might have to talk to bill about coming right. out, and <laughs> well, and doing also some I would tasty. assume yeah, was like hard. bringing
1: winemakers in. I mean, people are very intimidated by wine,
3: mm-hmm. especially yes. if they're doing
1: a dinner party. If they're intimidated to to serve people, they're also intimidated to serve the wine that goes right. with the meal.
3: Right. So, also
10: going out and eating. I just
3: want to say I'm eating all
1: your baklava, all of it. You love it's it. So good, it's
10: myaya's so it
0: recipe. As I said, I come from a fat family. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't yeah, know we'd like to, to actually not
4: only make people unafraid of food, but Mm-hmm. We'll expand into the into the liquor side of it and beer and wine and everything else. I mean some people are is, literally intimidated by and it. And this but. is
10: just the Boston property, right? The mm-hmm. Boston property only has a liquor license. Mm-hmm. The Dulles property only has wine and beer. You guys okay. get
0: into I mean, this may be too like Vertical for for just consumers, but do you talk about sourcing and do you talk about nitrates and do you talk about yeah, you know, we have injections to. into cattle absolutely and all of that.
10: we're I mean we're you know a big proponent of farm to table we work with um, you know vendors who have farm to table programs because it's really hard to just get to the farms and get their food because mm-hmm. now everyone's competing for that it's also trying to find sustainable uh, fish working with you know companies like Profish and um, and. You know, just smaller produce companies that can get us the best stuff. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's hard. It's something we focus on. We do corporate team building as well. The corporate teams want a higher priced, you know, um, ingredients. They want to be able to not just get something. We, we don't do anything cheap there. We, we make sure that you're gonna walk out and you're gonna love it because. Well, I would think out.
1: for um, like corporate retreats or even family. Like reunions or birthday parties or things like that, cooking, com- you know, cooking competitions are yeah, so big, is huge, that's our most right? popular. Is it? Yeah. So what does that look like?
10: So, oh, sorry. <laughs> so ten, 10 minutes to decide what you're gonna cook, mm-hmm. uh, an hour to cook it based mm-hmm. on the ingredients in house that we have all laid out for you. We give you a mystery, mystery ingredient, something ridiculous like lima beans <laughs> or something silly that they're like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a really good time. It's like you know, it's project project team building it's its the same thing at work you have you know you have a group of people that you have to work with and you have to communicate
3: mm-hmm. and you
10: have a deadline and, and so we, we force people in a small location in kind of a small kitchen to, to communicate and to be polite and excuse me and find right. ingredients and
0: all right Tell everybody how to find you guys online and on the phone and all of that.
10: Cookologyonline.com. We are on Facebook as uh, Facebook Cookology, Cookology Culinary School, and Instagram. Our, our telephone number is seven zero three four three three. One nine
1: zero nine. Wait, and you were at <laughs> where in Boston? Are you in the
10: new mall? We're in the Boston Quarter Mall, right? So like, that's just we're open the third this weekend, floor, right? Yeah. no, it opened in November. We were are just getting open. Right, this because because like
1: the Timber Pizza guys,
10: their place just opened yeah, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's slowly but surely, a couple, you know, vendors are opening slowly but surely. Sluffy but it's gonna be the right? They opened too, right? a place. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's food. Alcohol, it's alcohol. It's you know, it's just going to be uh, just a, a good time. And there's a gym. So.
3: Right, excellent. <laughs> All right, thanks, All right, guys. thank you guys. step on so back.
0: Thank to you the so mic. much. The name of the place is Jack Rose, a dining saloon. So let's talk about the dining. What's the menu like? I know what it's like because I looked at it. But tell them about it. And who's in the kitchen?
4: Well, we have uh, Russell Jones back, which mm-hmm. is a big deal for us because that's uh, when I think back of the eight years we've been in business. Uh, Russell was there years three years ago. That's when I thought the food was at its best. best. Uh, Obviously, the reviews were at their best. And he's back now, and he's going to be helming the whole company, all the, uh, not only Jack Rose, but the new place that's opening Imperial. And he brought two of his his execs, Sue, and um, one of his other uh, sous chefs from South Carolina with him. So we have Can we
1: back up a little bit? Sorry. Because you are opening up. Next to Jack Rose, yeah, yeah
4: like exactly. a massive
1: property. Can you? We have like a minute left. Can you just give us a little 411 on what you're doing?
4: Sure. We bought the the three buildings, three historic buildings on the corner of 18th and Florida. Mm-hmm. We combined them into one property address, restored them back their to her, their historical uh, beginnings, like everything back to the same. Uh, there, uh, Russell Jones will be doing something. Uh, he's calling it Mid Atlantic with French influence, kind of his background. And um, we're pairing that with a, a larger wine list and vintage spirits other than whiskey, so gins. I've seen tequilas. some pictures. Amazing. We've been once again. We've been collecting those for years. Didn't know what to really do with them. We would drink them downstairs in Dram and Grain from time to time. Right. Feature them, but for the most part, we we were amassing a, a collection, uh, some old ports, madeiras, that kind of thing. So but when you say
1: that. like vintage tequila, I I don't even know what that means.
4: Well, I mean, we've been looking for uh, even stuff that's not even that old, but mm-hmm. single-village mescals, like the early Del Maguey stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking for differences, something where you're getting the terroir, you're getting uh, some of the just single-barrel stuff, and you're you're able to compare. We're also getting, like, older Camparis, older Fernet's, or older Chenars, or just comparing them against new stuff. Chartreuses from 1920, comparing them, like, the herbal differences from then to, say, something that comes out now, the yellow or the green. So it's really a lot of this is set up just like Jack Rose. We are comparing decades, if not a century, against one another, and kind of seeing the differences as, as it evolves. That's great. It's it's incredible. I mean, it's a learning experience for me, and 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 I think the people that come in really appreciate right. that kind Even of. What's though- the
1: ETA on Imperial?
4: We are hoping to Ish. be open the first week of May. Okay. Cool. Uh, things are going great there. Uh, the staff is up. Obviously, it's costing us an arm and a leg having the staff in place ready to go. Um, but you got to
1: hold on to that staff in this city. It's are so you kidding? You know? Right.
4: Yeah, and I'm looking for my paycheck. <laughs> You're
1: uh, yeah, not on staff. I, I, I'm <laughs> sure
4: you guys will be on the list. There's not okay. a problem there. Uh, and um, yeah. tell us
1: again quickly when the event is and how people can buy tickets. Uh,
4: it's next Sunday, April seventh. Mm-hmm. It's Premier Drams. You can go to JackRoseDiningSaloon.com. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a few tickets left. Twenty, I think, uh, okay. now. Um, I, can I give out my number? I'll give two free tickets away if, uh, for sure. you guys. My cell phone's 5637 The first person to text me on uh, behalf of Nikki and David gets two free tickets to the event okay. so text me and, and now they I have to put uh, that out on Twitter and, Hold on. And, uh, say uh, your number again 202 262 5637 the first person to text me two free tickets on behalf of Nikki 67. and David okay. and I will they right. will be able to verify it right now. we got now. to wrap
0: we're off in 1 minute just uh, quickly uh, everything you heard on the show today you can find on Nikki's website uh follow Nikki on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. and on WTOP live every Thursday at 12:40
1: Okay, and next week is also going to be a fabulous show. We've got the people from Caboose Beer coming in. Uh, they've got two fabulous properties out in Virginia. And uh, Kaz from Kaz Sushi. It's his anniversary. Him again? I okay. know. All we right. haven't had him on in a long time. I'm really looking forward to him uh, coming in. And Chef's Feed is coming to town. We're going to find out what that's about and how you can go to those dinners. We'll be back Uh No, we won't be back. That's it. I'll talk to you next week. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll talk to you next week. Too much (laughs)
3: whiskey. Okay.